In this episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast, we are going back to the very basics. I've gotten several questions or comments on emails recently that are sort of revolving around the idea of, hey, I had I got helped out by your pod, but um, there were some things I was lost on. Do you have any advice for newbies was one, was one of the wording. Um, so I wanted to be sure to make a podcast specifically tailored to that and specifically tailored to if you're in a position where maybe you haven't written any songs before, maybe you're a little interested in music theory or you know that music theory would help you write songs, but you keep looking at different music theory things and you're totally lost and you're like, you know what, I, j- I just want to be able to write a song or start writing a song before I dive into that. Maybe someday I'll learn all these extra things that will make songwriting easier, more fun, and make it so that it's easier to write great songs. But today, I just want to get started songwriting, right? So if you are feeling like that, like you just want just the bare minimum knowledge right now to get started with songwriting, this is the episode for you. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. Again, this episode is going to be mostly tailored towards people who have never written a song before or people who maybe are just getting started. If that is not you, I don't want to waste your time, so I feel like I'm leaning towards telling you, you know what, this episode is just not really meant for you. Um, I I don't want to waste your time, right? I appreciate you for being a listener. I appreciate you for being a subscriber. I don't want to take 40 minutes on an episode and tell you, hey, you should listen to this when maybe it might actually not be a good use of your time. So if you already know about writing songs, you've already written some songs, this is probably not going to have much for you. There will probably be some things, but this, again, is totally tailored towards specifically those of you who are just getting started with your songwriting journey. Of course, most of our episodes are tailored towards hopefully all groups, whether you're new to songwriting or whether you're a seasoned vet. Most of what I talk about, I try to make something that's applicable to everybody, but once in a while we have to have these episodes. So to those of you who are seasoned songwriters, I appreciate you for tuning in. This episode, if you totally tune out and you're like, "Eh, yeah, I guess I won't listen to this one. Totally cool. I appreciate you for being a subscriber. Don't want to waste your time. So I'll just get that caveat out of the way. So what do we really need to know to write our first song, right? Because I, I, as much as I believe in music theory and as much as I believe in really learning um, more and more as a musician and getting better at your instrument, and I think as songwriters we shouldn't get lazy about any layer of what we do, the amount we need to know to get started is significantly less than I think what we should eventually try to achieve. So what do we really need to know? Let's go really basic for a second. A song, from a songwriter's point of view, generally is three parts. Now, some people debate this, um, but to me, it's basically lyrics, melody, and then you could say harmony, but harmony wouldn't include things like drums, so you could call it instruments, right? So really, you have your lyrics, you have your vocal melody, and then you sort of have just the instrumentation. And a lot of time from a songwriting perspective, the quote-unquote instruments, when it comes to what a songwriter cares about, is really just sort of chord progressions, right? So 
when you copyright a song, for instance, really what you're copywriting um, is the combination of lyrics, the melody, and then the general chord progression, right? So that's why even if I rearrange a song and do a totally different instrumentation and it's in a totally different key, I can't just steal a song that another artist wrote and be like, oh, I, it's in a different key, I play different instruments, right? The whole arrangement's different. I can even reharmonize the whole thing, and that still would be stealing somebody's song, right? So from a songwriter's pers perspective, at the most basic, what we're doing is we have the, we lay a foundation of instruments, or usually as a songwriter, our main instrument, right? So whether you're a guitarist or a pianist, you have a piano part or a guitar part, which often is simply a chord progression. And over that, you have a melody, and you don't usually just sing la or mm or ah, right? So you have lyrics as well. And if you don't write songs with lyrics, that's totally fine. This will be even easier for you then. Um, but for the most part, most people who would call themselves songwriters, specifically that usually involves lyrics. So first thing to know, is you can write one of these at a time. Because something I notice with newer songwriters is sometimes they seem to think that you must write all of these things at once. And that's actually setting yourself up to fail, in my opinion, because, for example, a lot of people, especially pianists, struggle with playing and singing at the same time. Right? Some people are better at that than others. Some people put more energy into practicing that than others and it's a learned skill right because it is something that I don't think anybody just like never sang while they were playing the piano and then they just start singing and it's just totally fine they can do it right that's that's not usually how that works it depends how complex the piano part is etc guitar tends to be a lot easier for singing and playing at the same time but even if you are doing guitar, which if I were to guess, probably 95% of you or more are primarily guitarists. I don't know this. I don't have any stats on this. Just a semi-educated guess between questions I get and just knowing, you know, what, what most songwriters seem to tend to be. Um, really, right, songwriters tend to be pianists or guitarists. Those, uh, those are the two. Some are bass guitarists and some might be drummers, but for the most part, when you think of a songwriter, it's usually one of those two. And that doesn't mean you don't play the other instruments, but usually when you're writing songs, it's with a guitar or with a piano. So you can write these one at a time. You do not have to get your guitar out, strum chords sort of randomly, right? Improvising chords, if you will doing something like, oh, yeah, I heard that G chord and C chord and D chord go well together. So you just kind of like play those three kind of randomly, and you're not really sure the order of them yet, and then you just sort of like sing randomly over it at the same time. And, th and then setting yourself up to fail even more, you know, trying to come up with lyrics at the same time. Don't do that to yourself. Uh, some people do that, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se, but... Hey, we're new at this, right? So we want to make this as easy as possible for us to succeed. And I think the way to do that is doing one thing at a time. So we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that. But first, again, we need to do real background, which I think a core question that we all really have when we're writing songs, right, is, well, how, how do we come up with music that sounds good? 
right? Because if you've ever, especially if you don't know music theory, if you've ever just gone to an instrument and kind of just played randomly, inevitably most of what you play just doesn't sound very good, right? It's like it's like that friend you have that for whatever reason, they don't play the piano, but whenever they see a piano, they are compelled to go over to it and like hit random notes and stuff. And you just want to say to them, dude, like what? Why? I don't like I just I don't understand. We all have that friend, right? <laughs> we all have that friend. Maybe you are that friend. And that's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that guy. It's just a <laughs> really funny thing to me. I don't know why. Specifically the piano, just like there's always that one one person. So the main thing to know to come up with music that quote unquote sounds good with with ease, without having to struggle massively or rely on being lucky is to start with what we call a key. So you probably heard something like, hey, this song is in the key of G major. Or some people would say something like, this is in the key of one sharp, which would be the same as G major, by the way. And don't worry if those words don't mean anything to you yet. That's fine. We're going to cover what we need to cover here, um, which is going to be not much in that category. And then we're going to move on. So the idea of a key is that it gives you limits on the chords and the notes that you're going to use that will, quote unquote, work together. So the idea is to give you limitations so that pretty much anything you play within these limitations is going to at least sound not terrible and will sound mostly musical so that it is much easier to, say, improvise and come up with something that sounds good. It will take you less time. Because if you go to a guitar or a piano and you are un- you have not limited yourself at all, you can hit any key you want, and unless you know music theory, you probably are in big trouble with it just is not going to sound good. Like for a frame of reference, if I just play randomly on this little keyboard synth I have in front of me, like... Right, like that sounds terrible. Unless you like atonal music, then I m- maybe maybe fine. But why? Because nothing I did had any rhyme or reason. It was random notes, and they were not all in the same key. Now, if there are more seasoned musicians here that did not heed my warning at the beginning or decided there might be something to learn, anyway, you might be saying, Joseph, you can play notes outside of the key. Yes, that is true. But the vast majority of songs stay entirely in key, where literally every note that every instrument ever plays in the song is literally within the key. And even songs that don't, it's 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 an exception, and it's usually an exception that you do intentionally. So for now, especially if you listen to pop radio, the vast majority of songs you have ever heard are all within what we would call a key. So again, what's a key? Basically, it just gives you limits on the chords and notes that will quote-unquote work together. All music, except for the very rare atonal music, has a key. Even like classical advanced pieces, they have a key. They might have some chords that are outside of that key, but they have a key. So, a key is going to give you two basic things as a songwriter. One of those is it gives you your musical center of gravity that all the music wants to resolve to. That's one thing it gives you. So being somebody who, of course, has listened to songs before, 
I'm sure you've noticed that when you hear a song, especially at the end with the final chord or the final thing that's played, very often the song ends in a way where it sounds resolved, right? You know it's the end of the song because it sounds like it's the end of the song, right? It's kind of like when you just know a movie is ending. You can just tell, right? And that is usually caused by exactly this because the vast majority of songs end on that center of gravity chord that goes with the center of gravity note. Some songs don't. I, I like to intentionally not end on one very often because it leaves you hanging a little bit. That's an intentional choice. But we all know what I'm talking about here, right? You know that that song that like sort of feels like it leaves you hanging versus the one that feels resolved. Just for a really easy example, like in the key of C, we'll just do super simple triads. Like you do a C chord, G chord, and then A minor, and then F major because we're basic and we're gonna do one, five, six, four chord progression. But anyway, let me do it again. That sounds resolved, right? Whereas if I just did that does not sound resolved. Why? Because I ended on the sixth chord. So I do that, still not resolved. That sounds really resolved. Because that is using this knowledge of what the musical center of gravity is, which in the case of the key of C major is going to be a C note, is the note center of gravity, and a C major chord is going to be the chord center of gravity. It sounds extra resolved, by the way, when the highest note is your center of gravity, in this case, C, and you're doing that chord, which would be C major. So this sounds more resolved than this in the context of what I just did. Second thing it gives you is your set of notes to use. So when you have a key, you're given a set of notes and the center of gravity. So if I tell you, for example, this song is in the key of G major, or if you just decide, you know what, I'm going to write a song in the key of G major. What that means is you've now decided that the note G is the center of gravity of your music. That's where your music wants to return to. That's where the gravitational pull of that music is back towards. And also, G major, because that is the one chord in the key of G major, just think whatever the name of the key is. Whatever the name of the key is, that chord is going to be the chord center of gravity. And then the second thing it gives you is it limits you to notes. So for example, G major, we're already talking about G major, so that gives you the notes G, A, B, C, D, E, F sharp. So then that limits the notes you have, right? Because instead of all 12 notes, you're limited to seven. And you're li limited to a specific seven notes that when you play all of those, and all of the chords you play just involve those, it is within the key. And, well, yes, of course you can play things involving those notes that sound off. But for the most part, anytime that happens, you're one note away from resolving. So, for example, if you have a G chord and then an F sharp, right, you could say, well, that really sounds like a seven chord because it is. So depending on how used to jazz and more jazz, jazzy sounding and uh, more dissonance, you might say, oh, that just sounds like a chord, which, yes, fair enough. Um, 
but it also sounds like it wants to resolve to this, right? Those are all the notes, by the way. But this is what having a key affords you, is it basically affords you this ability to know, hey, I have these notes, I have the center of gravity, now let's play. Instead of playing all these random notes that then are not going to sound good together. So for another example, C minor, center of gravity is going to be C the note, C minor the chord, and then that has the notes C, D, E flat, F, G, A flat, B flat. So your melody should use the notes. So going back to G major, you know that the notes you should use are limited to G, A, B, C, D, E, and F sharp because those are the notes in the key you've selected. And then your harmony and chord should also use only those notes. Now, little caveat here, I, I do think you really need to know basic theory to go from melody writing to harmony. So if you write the melody first and then you need to figure out what chords to put under the melody, I think you actually really need to know basic music theory to do that. And in this episode, we're trying to assume that you want to know no theory to be able to start your first song, even if hopefully you're willing to learn some music theory eventually. Um, it's super helpful. You definitely should want to. But, but again, in this episode, we're assuming not outside of the couple things I just have to teach you here, like the concept of a key. That's technically a music theory concept. But a, music, a musical person, in my opinion, can create melody from harmony without any theory knowledge, right? So if I play you that chord, let me actually sustain it this time. So if I play that chord, you probably can hum over that and make something that sounds pretty decent. So if I just do this, right? Which is just a G major chord, arpeggiated, super boring. but. If I do this, you probably can sort of sing something over this if you're a musical person, and a singer, right? Or, or you know, you can do your, if you're a good guitarist, you can sort of solo over that, right? Or if you're a pianist, perhaps you can improvise, you know, a right-hand melody over that. And you can hear whether it will work or not, and you can hear the level of tension and whether it's something you want or not. I think it's hard to go in the reverse direction. So... Why do I mention this? I mention this because I believe that in your first songs you write, it is easiest and most wise to actually start with your harmony. So starting with your chords, or if you want to go next level, you can not just start with chords. You can do something like, for example, finger-picking chords on a guitar to make it a little more interesting, adding hammer-ons, right? Writing a piano riff or a piano hook instead of just basic chords. but Let's keep it basic here. If you want the easy answer, in my opinion, again, especially if this is your first song, start with chords. That's the place to start. And I'm going to do a little explanation here. I'm going to give a caveat up front that I'm going to give you a super bonus, or not super bonus, a bonus super easy mode. Because I think that this is simple. I think this is something that you probably can grasp just from us talking about it and you'll be better off for knowing it. Um, but if you want to 
if maybe you didn't absorb everything and you're sort of like, ah, I don't know, I'm going to give you a super easy mode at the end so that basically as soon as you stop listening to this podcast, hopefully you can turn this podcast off, boom, start writing a song. So the slightly less easy mode is this basic knowledge. Every major key has the same triads. And what I mean by that is that in every major key, your one chord, your four chord, and your five chord are major. Your two, three, and six are minor. And then your diminished, you don't ever use ever. And your diminished is seven. Now you may say, you just said numbers, Joseph. What the heck are you talking about? Don't worry. I have you covered. So we said before, right, that in G major, for example, you have the notes G, A, B, C, D, E, and F sharp. And it's okay that you don't know that, right? Totally okay. If you're freaking out, I mean, you can literally Google it, right? So you can say to yourself, all right, let, let, me, let me write a song in G major. You can Google what notes are in G major, right? So you don't need to have this memorized. And we're going to get back into that part in a bit as well. But the main thing to know is when I say the numbers, the numbers are literally just counting up by letter. So in G major, the one is going to be G. In A major, the one is going to be A. In C major, the one is going to be, you, you guessed it, <laughs> C, right? In, in, you know, G sharp, it's going to be a G sharp. Or B flat, it's going to be a B flat, right? That, that's how it works. And then from there, if you know the notes, you just count them up. And then the chord that goes with it is what you would call the one chord, two chord, etc. So in the context of G major, we start with G. That's going to be our one chord. Our one chord is always major. Our two chord, we just go up one letter, right? And in, in G major, we had an A natural. We didn't have A flat. We didn't have A sharp. And we all know the alphabet is A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And that just goes back to A because music doesn't have an H. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Yes. <laughs> music doesn't have an H. So we know that after G, there's no H note. So we're back to A. So that's our two. And in context of all major keys, which is the vast majority of music, by the way, like vast, vast majority uh, of Western music, I should specify. Vast majority. Like, I believe it's 95% plus. Most of the songs you've ever heard are in a major key. And this is going to be true for all of them. So your two chord is going to be minor. In G major, G, no H, so A, A minor. Our three chord is minor. So A, B, B minor is also a chord we have. Then we have our four chord. Our four chord is a major chord. So we have a C major chord. Our five chord is a major chord. So what's the letter after C? D. Super simple, right? So, so D would be D major. Next letter, E, our sixth chord and our sixth note. That's going to be minor because our Major chords are one, four, five. Minor is two, three, six. That's the only thing you need to memorize because also seven is diminished, but we don't use that. We don't care about that. It sounds terrible. So it doesn't really matter. But for kicks and giggles, our last note was F sharp, right? So our last seven chord, which is going to be diminished, is F sharp diminished. So that is all there is to that. For what it's worth, in my opinion... You can get started with songwriting perfectly fine with only using four of these. The one, 
the four, the five, and the six. And this is going to apply to every single key. So your one, four, five, and six is always going to be a major one, a major four, a major five, and a minor six. So again, in G major, G major is going to be the major one. And then G, A, B, C. That's our four. D is our five. E is our six. So all you have to do is look up, hey, what are my notes in this key? And then you just need to be able to count, which I know you all can do, right? So that's really all there is to it. Know you can count and then just memorize. The main thing to memorize here is one, four, and five major, two, three, six minor. One, four, five major, two, three, six minor. Also, you don't even have to memorize that. You can literally just Google as well, like, hey, what are the chords or what are the triads in G major or whatever you are trying to write a song in? So, when in doubt, just stick with your one, four, five, and six. Why do I say that? Well, according to a study done by Dave Carlton at Hook Theory, which I thought was really cool, the most common minor chord is going to be that six chord. It's in 56% of chord progressions, and for frame of reference, the five chord and four chord are in 73% of chord progressions. The one chord is in 68% of chord progressions. Those are the three most common by far. And then the next one is going to be that A minor, or sorry, not the A minor, the minor six. And then the minor two are, is only using 26% of chord progressions. The minor three only in 17%. And then literally chords that are slightly outside of the key are after that. So what do we do with this information? We can just feel okay for now with just knowing, hey, I have my key. I'm going to pick a key. I'm going to Google. What notes do I have in that key? I'm going to limit myself to only using those notes. And then when it comes to chords, most of you are probably guitarists. You're going to limit yourself to the chords we just talked about, which, again, is always going to be once you see the notes you have in the key, all you have to do is memorize 1, 4, and 5 are all major. 2, 3, and 6 are minor. Use those. And then when in doubt, don't use the 2 and 3 yet. You're new to this? So just stick with a one, four, five, and six. Now, the main reason for this is the two and three require a little more planning, perhaps, in how they are approached and how they are exited from. Whereas pretty much any order that you put a six, five, four, and one chord in will work. If you do a chord progression that's six, five, four, one, or one, five, six, four, the most common of all, or one, four, five, six, like any of those will work pretty well. So that's the main reason to stick with those three. So I promised a bonus super easy mode in case you did find some of that overwhelming and you're like, hey, I wasn't quite ready for that yet either. Totally fine. Literally look up popular chord progressions. Like just Google popular chord progressions and use one of those to get off to a quick start. Because again, our goal here is to get started with songwriting and we can level up later, right? So with you, with you not even having to Google it, because I'm going to give you four that you can use, one, five, six, four is probably the most common of all. It's the one that the Axis of Awesome song makes fun of. 
one five six four. So for example, in the key of G major, that would be G major, D major, E minor, C major. In the context of C major, that would be C major, and then G major, A minor, F major. And again, I'm in this case, I'm just counting. I know that key of C has C, D, E, F, G, A, B. There are no sharps or flats in the key of C major. And then I'm just counting. Well, I, really, I haven't memorized at this point. I'm not counting that fast. But my one chord, C. And then C, D, E, F, G major is my five chord. G, A, A minor is my sixth chord. And then... Go back down to A, G, F. It's going to be my four chord. That's all I'm doing. Another one to use, one, four, five, four. Two, five, one, which is more common in like jazz music. Um, but if you do that type of thing, two, five, one is one of the go-tos. And then one, five, four, one. Use any of those. You could even take it to the next level if you don't even want to have to figure out, okay, here are the notes I have, and then, you know, I always know that one, five, six, four, the six is minor, and the other th three are major, and then figure out, okay, that means it's G major and A minor and C major and F major. If you don't even want to figure that out, you can even literally Google, like, popular chord progressions in the key of G or something like that. So... At this point, what do we have? We have, hopefully, a basic understanding of what keys are fundamentally. Even, even if, you, if you feel a little bit overwhelmed with some of the numbers that I threw at you and, and some of the more complex stuff, that's okay, right? Um, the main thing here is if you understand fundamentally what a key is, right? It gives you limits of what the notes are, and it also gives you that tonal center of gravity, that the music wants to return to, to feel resolved, which are the two most important things to fundamentally understand what is the purpose of a key? Why do I pick a key? From there, you can literally Google it if you would like, right? And you'll be fine, right? You'll be totally fine. You can literally Google chord progression in G major, literally use what, it, what the first article tells you, and you can be off to the races with this first part of what we're doing which is figure out a key and then a chord progression. For a key, the easy answer is if you're a pianist, pick the key of C because the key of C literally means you have all the, the white keys and none of the sharps or flats, right? So literally, you see white, you can hit that. You see the black keys, you don't hit those. Simple, right? You don't have to think about like, oh, well, I have the one sharp of F sharp. You don't have to think about any of that. Literally... Super easy. Piano keeps it nice and easy because the colors are not similar. Like some of the board games that I play, there's a very mini side rant. But it drives me crazy when board games have like five different, you know, like player tokens or meeples or whatever it is. And the colors are kind of similar. Like what are you doing? Do like red, blue, green, black, white, right? Then I can tell who I am versus everybody else. Don't do like three shades of orange. Why would you do that? Anyway, thank you pianos for not doing that. Not like, I don't have to be like, hey, the blue keys versus the lighter blue keys. So if your pianos pick key of C, means your tonal center of gravity gonna be C. 
C major is going to be your um, center of gravity chord. And you just, all the white keys. Super simple. If you are a guitarist, probably pick the key of G major or perhaps E major. If you like the sound of sort of like open guitars or open tuning guitars, right? So maybe like the sound of Goo Goo Dolls guitars or something like that, then E major can get you there more easily. Um, but G, G major is like the main go-to for guitarists usually. So if you're a guitarist, pick G major. If you're a pianist, pick C major. Want to make it even easier? Cool. Let's tell you to do one, five, six, four. So if you're a pianist, the chord progression you're working with first is C major, G major, A minor, and then F major. If you're a guitarist, because you pick the key of G major, pick G major, D major, E minor, and then C major. So now you have your chord progression. The rhythm of it, you can figure that out, right? Whether you want it to be one, you know, four, four measures of each or one measure of each, that doesn't matter. Figure out something you like using those chords. From there, record what you've written, even if it's just on your phone. Especially if you struggle or aren't used to having to sing and play at the same time. Something, again, I notice pianists tend to struggle with this more than guitarists. But regardless of whether you're a pianist or a guitarist, and even if you don't struggle with it, I highly recommend just record it on your phone. And the main reason for this is simply that it is much easier to work on writing something when you don't have to also have a part of your brain concentrating on playing something, right? Don't do that to yourself. A good workaround is, let's say you're a guitarist. I just told you the e really easy answer, which is, hey, just literally use this chord progression. G major, D major, E minor, C major. Record whatever rhythm you figure out that you like with those four chords in that order, literally record yourself doing it over and over for like, I don't know, two minutes at least with your phone recorder out. And then you can play back from your phone. Yeah, I know it's going to sound bad. That's okay. Right? It, does, it doesn't matter. That's not the purpose here. The purpose is not forcing you to write while you're playing. So you listen back to it. And now we're getting into melody because that's step two. So there's a ton that can go into melody, and eventually you want to get to the point of not just improvising melodies and sticking with what you improvise, but being more intentional about building melodies and understanding the theory behind making different melodic decisions. But we're not there yet. We're right in our first song. So the fantastic start is literally just improvising melody over the music you have. Because as we touched on before, right, if, if you're a relatively musical person, especially if you're a singer, and if you're a songwriter, you're probably some level of singer. You might say, well, I'm not a very good singer. That's okay. You probably have, you know, pitch, right? You're not somebody that somebody says accuses of being tone deaf, probably, if you're wanting to be a songwriter. If you are, uh, that's okay, too. Just use whatever instrument you are strongest at to write the melody instead of using your voice. That's the easy fix. In fact... Um, I, I actually prefer writing melody on the piano, which 
we'll touch on again in a little bit. But uh, I, I personally find it's easier to write better melodies on the piano than it is with me improvising from my voice. And then I test it with my voice to make sure it's singable. Um, and eventually you just uh, become good at playing the piano in a singable way because you're so used to what your voice can do. But fantastic start is simply improvising melody. So as a vocalist, you probably should be able to sing around, sort of make guesses, make mistakes while listening to this chord progression. That will more or less sound decent, or you'll at least be hovering around something that could be a workable melody, right? Once in a while, you'll forget where the chord is going. You do a note that maybe doesn't sound quite right, but eventually you'll sort of lock into this progression, and most of what you sing will be like, oh, okay, that, that was kind of interesting. That was kind of boring. I didn't move enough. And then that, oh, I hit a wrong note there. I went pitchy there. That, but all that doesn't matter, right? As long as we can somewhat lock into singing close to what more or less sounds right with the harmony you've now written, which again, you're listening back to on your phone. So just try singing along or humming along with the chords until you find something that sounds right. And then you have your melody. Now, again, just as a overly cautious caveat, I do not recommend that this be the way you songwrite forever. You should spend more time on it. Uh, you know, the first melody that works is not the one you should use, right? That's sort of a general rule of anything in life. The first time you find something that works, it's like, well, that doesn't mean it can't be made much better, right? So, um, but for now, you're just trying to write your first song, right? Most people's first songs are bad. You should just embrace that your first song will be bad. My first song was bad. Uh, every artist you've ever heard, I'm sure their first song was bad. Um, the only ex example I can think of that flies in the face of that is allegedly Joshua Radin's first song he ever wrote was Winter, and that song is freaking great. Uh, so I don't, I don't believe him, honestly. <laughs> I'm slightly joking. But anyway... Um, also, by the way, Joshua Radin, Winter, check it out. If, if you like, like, acoustic singer-songwriter type stuff, that song is great. It's good stuff. So, if you're a strong guitarist, and maybe you're not a strong vocalist, or you feel more comfortable playing with the guitar, uh, rather than, you know, improvising with your voice, you feel like, for example, you doing a solo would be easier than you singing something, uh, then use your guitar, right? Improvise within the scale that matches the key. So you're writing a song in G major because you're a guitarist, and that's what we decided guitarists are going to do in this instance. So use the G major scale, which is the same thing. A G major scale contains the notes that are in G major, the key. So use that scale, the major scale, with G as your root, and solo, right? Now, obviously solo in a singable way because the, the goal is for this to eventually be a vocal melody, but that's the final alternative. If you're a pianist, improvising single notes in the key, right? So that was in the key of C for what it's worth. Doing stuff like that, right? While you're listening to the chord progression, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna do things that don't really sound quite right. You're going to do things that maybe don't have enough tension and they're going to sound boring. And then you're going to be like, oh, what if I try this other note? And then there'll be some tension. It'll be more interesting. Um, but 
great way to go. In fact, like I said, it, it's it's my personal favorite way to write melodies. I think I write better melodies with the piano and then singing them later rather than trying to improvise with my voice. I'm a better piano improviser than I am a vocal improviser. So at this point, you have picked a key or you have uh, taken the easy, the easy road that I gave you. And which is totally fine, right? The, like, we're just trying to write your first song. So don't, like, don't overthink this. Don't, don't let ego get in the way, right? We all sucked when we started. So I, I've said the phrase, embrace the suck. I feel like I haven't said that recently in the pod, but that's an important thing to do, right? Everybody sucks at things when they first start. That's just a universal rule. So don't, like, we all have that ego, though, right? That, like, sneaks in and, like, sometimes can just ruin growth because we're too worried about ego and what would people think of this and but you have to shut all that out right embrace the suck just know that your first song might suck your 10th song might suck but by song 11 then you'll have that first song where you're like wow I'm actually really proud of this this is awesome and then it will all be worth it and I'm not saying it will even take that long maybe your first song's great in which case awesome um but our goal is to write a song not worry about how good it is yet all right. So at this point, you have at least for one section, you have a chord progression and then you have a melody on top of it. Right? Because now you've, after listening to the recording back of your chord progression, you've figured out a melody that works. So now your job is to think about okay, as I listen to this, what does a song sound like it would be about? Because just like a soundtrack captures the central emotion and theme just by its sound, your song already has a subject, so you just have to find it. And, you know, obviously that's not totally true. Your song doesn't really have a subject, just like your song, you know, it's kind of like the idea of the muse, right? There is no real muse. It's just kind of a, a different way of looking at our own creativity. So... Try to dwell on what does a song sound like it would be about, right? Is it, is it about, is it a spunky song about, you know what, you think you're better than me, but no, you're not. Or is it a sad sounding song that sounds, you know, super morose and you think to yourself, okay, this is a song about, you know, this loss I experienced a few years back. Or maybe it's sort of a bittersweet sounding song and you're like, you know what, I have been missing my high school friends recently and wondering how they've been doing. Or, you know, I messaged them on Facebook the other day because people still use Facebook, maybe. Um, <laughs> allegedly. Um, but try to figure out, based on the sound, what do I think this song would be about? And then don't don't overthink this, but do try, try to be precise. And precise is a word I like to use a lot because I think a, a place that a lot of songwriters can suffer is they use words and they don't drill deep enough into something. So instead of saying, oh, this song sounds like a love song, right? Or even a song about loss of love or a breakup song, that's not deep enough. You want to go a little deeper. Maybe instead it's reflecting on the bittersweet breakup you chose 10 years ago, right? That's getting much more specific at its basic level is still a breakup song of some kind, right? But you're getting much more specific, and in that, 
you're going to get to more specific emotions, which are going to be emotions that people are going to resonate with more because they're more specific. So they feel more real, right? If I just say like, oh, I'm so sad, like, no, everybody's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Who cares? Like, what, what are you even talking about, man? Like, get over yourself, right? But if you're specific, right, it feels like this is a real thing and maybe it is based on a real thing. But the more specific you can get about what is this really about beyond just love song or, you know, wistful song for the past, we're trying to go deeper than that. Because reflecting on the bittersweet breakup you chose, again, you chose, you broke up with the other person 10 years ago, which right there, there's a whole interesting thing, at least to me anyway, right? There's this whole interesting dynamic of, oh, that's, that's interesting. Because it's a bittersweet break, 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 breakup that you chose. <laughs> you chose a bittersweet one. So 10 years ago, does that mean you regret it, right? Like, uh, and then why? why? Why do you? So there's a whole bunch of stuff to dig in there. But that's totally different than fuming under an unexpected, under, fuming under, fuming over an unexpected and sudden breakup happening right now, right? Because you can have a song that is in present tense, like you're getting broken up with right then or, you know, two weeks ago. So get more specific and precise in where exactly your character is in their story. And your character may or may not be you, right? But regardless, I think it's helpful to think of the character of our song or the person singing our song is a character. It will help you in the future to be able to write songs that aren't necessarily from your point of view or your perspective. We all, of course, are going to bring our worldview somewhat and our own experiences into our songs, right? But that doesn't mean that every song is autobiographical. And I think a good step to do that is to start with this idea of, you know, the, the person singing the song, which is going to be you, but you're playing a character much like somebody who is acting in a play. You can almost think of it like you're acting in a play that you wrote that is somewhat autobiographical or somewhat based on yourself or even your fantasy of yourself, right? I think Mary Sue type thing, right? That's okay. It doesn't really matter. The idea is sort of view it that way a little bit more than reading your actual diary. So... Now you have a theme or an idea that the song is about based on what you feel the song feels like it would be about and at least one section. And I say that because we chose one chord progression within a key and then one mel melody that we've written, um, which I didn't dive too deep into that with the melody. Generally speaking, when in doubt, have a pair of phrases. So a phrase is just wherever a musical pause happens, that's the end of the phrase. So if I do, that's a phrase. And then would be the next phrase. Super basic, super boring, right? But you get the idea. So when in doubt, just do one phrase and then an answer phrase. Right, so you can kind of hear the, the colonnade. The first one was terrible, but generally speaking, keep it simple, do that. Most of you, I think, 
will not need to really think through that because if you've heard so many melodies in your life, you just kind of have an idea of what sounds right and what doesn't, which is why I didn't really dive deep into that part. Once you have the notes you can use in your melody, I think it can mostly be felt from there. So to avoid this going into crazy long podcast, well, I guess we're already there, but we're getting towards the end here. We're good. You're almost there. So now you at least have one section. For your first song, my honest recommendation is, you know what? Screw it. Just have the one chord progression throughout the whole song. There are tons, tons of songs that have one chord progression the entire song. I don't think it's something you should maintain doing over your whole songwriting career. Most of what we're doing here is not something that I would recommend somebody doing long-term with the songwriting. But this is our first song. Easiest thing to do. I would honestly recommend doing that. If not, I give you four different chord progressions. You can look up chord progressions. You can just mix and match, right? Say, oh, my verse, I'm going to do the, you know, one, four, five, four progression. And then my chorus, I'm going to do the one, five, six, four. And then bridge, I'm going to go back to one, four, five, four. Right? And then done. And then each one will have its own melody, obviously. But of note, you do not have to write the harmony or the chord progression for the whole song and then write the the melody for the whole song and then write the last part we haven't talked about yet the lyrics for the whole song you can write a chord progression that may end up becoming the chorus you write the melody and then you're like oh this melody feels like the chorus melody so now you're thinking oh this is probably the chorus and you can write the lyrics for that what you believe to be the chorus before you write anything else so you don't have any idea what the verse will sound like, but you might have a finished chorus, and that's totally fine. I do that all the time. Totally fine to do that. This is up to you. Don't overthink it, right? If if you if you feel like you want to make sure you have all the chords for the whole song and then all the melodies for the whole song before you start writing lyrics, totally fine. You don't want to do that? Okay, don't do that either, right? You, you can instead just do section by section. Either works. Uh, I would just go with the flow of whatever sort of you're feeling. You know, if you feel like, oh, I feel like I can dig into what the lyrics of this section are before I start writing the next section, do it. If you feel like you want to have a whole, you know, four-minute song worth of chord progression and melody before you get into lyrics, go for it. I don't think that matters. So, so don't overthink it. So lyrics. Lyrics are frankly by far the hardest thing to talk about in a remotely brief way that I feel like is going to be super helpful. Um, so here's what we're going to say for this podcast. First, what I really recommend is you check out my free lyric writing guide at songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Link in the description. Again, it's totally free. So go grab that. That's the real answer because... For me to cover everything I cover in that in this podcast, it would go another like two hours. That's what I really rec recommend you do from day one. But the shortened version, if either for some reason you don't want the lyric checklist, which is totally fine, um, if you don't want that, or if, again, I mean, you literally are like, I don't even want to read this free guide, even though it's, I don't know, eight pages or something. It's not that long. But... If you literally want, as soon as I'm done talking, to start writing a song, here's, here's a recommendation. Do it in steps. And the place you start with is figuring out the song idea. 
And I think it's really helpful to even bring in images. I like to use images searching just Google images, like pieces of art that evoke the imagery that I want the song to. So just to keep it really basic, and it's a pretty common first song for people to write. So let's say you're writing some form of breakup song. You're talking about, you know, the breakup that happened to you last week. And the other person chose to break up with you, and you're currently in the stage where you're really bitter and angry and confused about it. So let's say that's what you're writing about. So then you just Google something like, you know, bitter breakup, confused breakup, things like that. Or And, and put art, by the way. <laughs> confused breakup art or broken heart art. And Google image search that and find images that you think sort of evoke in you the like the sort of same emotion you want your song to go for. Take those, copy them, put them in a Google Doc. Then do some prose writing. What's prose? Prose is just plain English. I'm talking to you in prose right now. So literally just sit down and, and, and write like you would write in a journal about what you think this song is about. You know, write the perspective of the character of the song. Let's say you did go through a breakup two weeks ago, and that's what's motivating you to right now be like, screw it, I'm going to start songwriting. I need a way to deal with this. Um, which, by the way, I think songwriting is a great way to deal with that kind of stuff. Uh, I've, I joke with people I've saved thousands of dollars on a psychologist by being a songwriter, and I'm kind of joking. Um, <laughs> emphasis on kind of. So so with prose writing, you're, you're essentially journaling at this point. You know, so you might be writing something like, why did you leave? What, what, what did I do? Is, is it something wrong with me? Or why didn't you communicate what, what was wrong? I, I could have fixed what was wrong. I, I, I can't believe that you don't want to be with me anymore because we loved each other for so long and for you to be gone all of a sudden. Right, so I'm, I'm just making this up on the spot, right? And it's not good, right? Because I'm just making it up on the spot. But the point of this prose writing is to sort of dive deep into your emotion in a way that a journal does. That's really the purpose of this. It's, it's effectively song journaling. And the purpose of this is so that you're not improvising words when it comes to writing lyrics. And the reason I think this is important, an important step before you start trying to improvise words with your lyrics, is improvising words in general is not necessarily simple, right? This is why people don't like public speaking, why not everybody would enjoy doing a podcast, right? Especially if they don't have somebody to talk to, bounce stuff off of, right? Because um, improvising words is non-trivial, right? And especially the words I'm saying here, right, uh, would be terrible as a song. You know, there are ums, there are ahs, there are, I guess, I guess technically those could be in a song. But you know what I'm saying, right? Prose, the way people speak and the, and the poetic language of a song are very different. So we need a transitional piece because if we try – to just come up with off the top of our heads what is effectively poetry, we should view our lyrics as poetry, that's going to be very difficult. If we haven't developed, okay, what's this song about? Let me dive into the emotions. Maybe you can even literally steal phrases from your prose writing, right? Maybe you came up with, as, as you're dwelling on the breakup that in, in this example really did happen two weeks ago and your eyes are filled with tears and and, and you're just devastated by it and, and you're thinking about it and you're writing about it, you might write something that re resonates with you, right? 
winded forever end. Oh, that resonates with me, right? So, so now, now I can take that from my prose writing and literally make it one of my lyrics. If not, you can have something that you like the idea, even if the wording's not great, and then you can workshop it into your lyrics. But we already have to fit our lyrics to the melody, which is non-trivial, right? So if you have a melody that's... That was four notes, right? So I can't sing over... Wow, I can't believe you... Not that this should be a lyric, but... Wow, I can't believe you left me after all these years. Right, there's way too many syllables. How would I possibly sing that within... <laughs> right, right? So, realistically, your syllables are usually going to exactly, if not very closely, match up with the amount of notes. So, if our phrase is... Then probably our line is going to be more or less four syllables. Maybe you can stretch it to five. Maybe you can have it be three, but you know you end up having one of those where a word that really is one syllable is made to sound like two, or you make a two-syllable word sound like three. Stuff like that. But also, the emphases of the words, the natural emphases of the words, and the emphases of the notes should match. And I have whole episodes about that. We don't have time to get into that. The short version is generally emphasis in music is by notes that are longer show emphasis and notes that are higher tend to show emphasis. So what were the emphasized things? I would argue it's emphasized and then emphasized at the end because that's held for a while. So it gets a little bit of emphasis. And then this was the high note of the three different notes that we played. So that's the very simple version. For the most part, just trust your musical gut at this point. There's a lot of stuff to be learned. There's a reason that I believe this is episode 169 of, of Songwriter Theory. There's a ton of different stuff um, that I think is helpful with songwriting. That's how you know we can be on episode 169. That's how... You know, I can have two videos out every week on YouTube. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to learn. Um, but you don't, the amount you need to know to get started songwriting is very little. And we covered it here. So, but before signing off, last thing. Another thing to do when you're writing lyrics is know that it's going to take time and then keep updating your words and lines. So if your line is maybe a syllable off from the melody, do something like look up a, a synonym for a word on thesaurus.com. Maybe your two-syllable word that makes your line five syllables, even though there's only four notes, maybe there is a, another word that means the same thing that's only one syllable, and then that fixes your problem, right? Stuff like that. Or reworking a line. There's different ways to word the same idea. And that, that part's just going to take time. So just be prepared for, you know, I think there's a much higher chance that you think, wow, actually, like, the, the chord progression, the music, and the melody, like, I'm actually really proud of. I, I think it's really good. And then the lyrics specifically to be the thing that you uh, would make you maybe not want to show it to your friends or family. And if you think that makes you crazy or you're a bad songwriter, it does not. It does not, I promise you. So, you know, if your first lyrics are really good, honestly, that's awesome. 
And I'm proud of you because that that's not an easy thing. Most people's first lyrics are going to be terrible. It's the hardest part of songwriting by far, in my opinion, even as somebody who loves writing lyrics and I love that process, I think it's the most rewarding part of the process in some ways. Uh, there's just something about a well-written lyric that just feels so good. Um, but man, it takes a lot of time. Ton of time. Uh, so know that going in that you cannot spend a lot of time on lyrics and then they're probably just not going to be very good and that's okay. It's your first song. Don't feel bad about it. Okay? Don't don't feel bad about it. Uh, it take, still takes... In order for me to write lyrics that I feel I can put out there, it takes me forever. It takes me a long time to feel like I get it right, which is partially because I'm probably overly picky and all that. Um, but, like, j just know that. If your lyrics suck, it's fine. It's fine. It's your first song. Embrace the suck. So go out, have fun. Again, your pianist, pick key of C. Chords you're using C, F, G, Sorry, let me be more specific. C major, F major, uh, G major, and A minor. Use those chords in whatever order you want. If you're a guitarist, you're using G major, C major, D major, and E minor. Chord progression, record it. Improvise melody using instrument of choice over the top of it until you find something you like. And then lyric writing, you know, do some development work first. Uh, if you want a more detailed breakdown of the steps that I go through and that I highly recommend, go check out songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. That lays it out. Uh, it's my personal favorite of the three free guides that I offer. I think it's the best one. Um, so be sure to check that out. I think it will be really helpful to you. Um, but to get you started, you know, just do some prose writing first. Just get kind of get in the mode and then start doing things like you know, figuring out how to word something for your first line that fits with the melody so that the syllables match up with the notes. Also, I have a free guide on just how to get started with songwriting, 10 different ways to start writing a song. And so feel free to check that out as well. That's how songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Gives you five different ways to start a song from a more lyrical perspective, thinking about theme and, you know, maybe coming up with a really, you know, a really interesting line or philosophical phrase, if you will, that you're like, ooh, I want to build a song around this. And then five, from a more musical standpoint, because I'm a big fan of a great way to change it up with songwriting is, and to stay creatively fresh, is to not start your song the same exact way every time, whether that's changing the instrument you start with, whether that is changing the type of part that you're writing, like, for example, starting with a bass line instead of starting with a melody or starting with a melody instead of starting with a chord progression, things like that. Um, so that will help you with sort of level two, if you will. Um, that will get you from level one to level two. This was like level zero or level one. Hopefully it was helpful to you. Hope, hope uh, specifically... I hope it helped Damien, who was the person who asked more specifically for podcasts. Uh, well, he technically asked if I had podcasts for beginners. Sent him a list that I remembered being pretty, uh, what's the word? Uh, very beginner friendly, I guess. Because again, I, I like to think most of these episodes are pretty beginner friendly. But some admittedly are less so, right? Some are a little more like hopefully you've been listening to this for a little bit. And I, I didn't mean to – I don't want to get away from uh, teaching 
the real basics as well as some stuff that's more advanced. I try to make it so that every episode is helpful for people sort of at all stages, uh, but sometimes that's not possible. So this is for those of you who are just getting started. Hopefully it was helpful to you, specifically you, Damon, because you're asking for podcasts about, you know, for people that are at the very, very beginning. I do have some others, but this one is specifically tailored to here are your exact steps. Um, Let me sort of handhold you through the first one. That way that will set you off and running because once you get the first one down, I think it gets easier and easier from there. And it gets more exciting, and then you learn more, you know, you listen to a podcast, you watch videos, and then everything starts to come together more and more until you're at the point where, you know, certain things come naturally to you. Like, oh, E major? Oh, I know that I have these notes and these chords, and you know, I really love the transition from a three chord to a four chord. And, you know, I'm a big fan of not using the one chord during the verse. That way, when the one chord is used in the chorus, it has this really explosive sound, and you know, getting deeper and deeper into stuff like that where it just sort of comes more naturally to you is just going to come over time. So thanks for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. If you found this helpful, be sure to leave a kind review on iTunes, which by iTunes, I mean Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to this, if they have reviews. That helps me out a lot. Thank you for listening, whether you leave a review or not. I appreciate every single one of you. I know that you just gave up like an hour of your time to learn songwriting today. Uh, certainly it was my goal to not waste any of it. So I, I certainly hope that you got something from this and, and you know what, just thank you for being interested in being song and being a songwriter and writing songs. I think it's something that the more of us that care about writing music and making good music and leveling up our songwriting, uh, the better, not to mention, I think it's great for sort of dealing with our demons, if you will. Uh, so if you're one of those people and, you know, you're thinking to yourself, man, you know, hopefully this is a way to sort of get out some some issues that I have or, you know, anything, whether it's serious depression or whether it's anger issues, you know, whatever it is. Um, and by the way, if you're wondering, yes, it is a fantastic way. Again, I alluded to that earlier when I talked about uh, the fact that my joke of saving thousands of dollars on a psychologist, which is only kind of a joke. So thank you for that. I really appreciate that. It makes me excited that people listen to this and people watch videos learning about songwriting from me and other people uh, because it means that there are people out there that care about the art of songwriting, which I greatly care about. So the fact that you just care about that enough to have listened to this podcast means a lot to me, and I appreciate that. You can do it. Don't get discouraged with how your first song is. Know that. You get better and better and better over time. Get that first one over with. And if it's great, awesome. If it's not, don't worry about it. Just get started on that second one. And I will talk to you, hopefully, in the next one. And by the way, make sure you at least get started on that song before you listen to the next one. Because I've heard from a couple of you a confession that you've listened to a bunch of podcasts, but you haven't actually started writing yet. Don't do that. Don't be don't put yourself in a position where after 6 months you've listened and you're like, "Oh, I feel like I still don't know enough to write." Today we talked about enough for you to write your first song. Go write your first song. The best way to get better is to actually write. And then maybe the second best way is to listen to things like this podcast, other people's podcasts, you know, YouTube videos whether from me or from other people. 
that's probably the second best way. But at the end of the day, the only way to get better at songwriting is you have to actually put it to practice. You have to actually do it. So if you haven't written a song, be sure to write or at least start writing a song. Work on songwriting before you listen to the next podcast. Then come back to the podcast after you've gotten started with songwriting. Because if you don't put it to practice, then this this podcast is all for naught. And we don't want that. You can do it. I believe in you. Some of you have sent me your songs. That's awesome. I love when you do that. You guys are crushing it. So go out, write songs, and I'll talk to you in the next one. 